You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 149 of the Canadians Connection podcast. We have a great show in store for you, but first, a word from our sponsor. The games are underway and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo and offering a free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. That's up to $50,000 up for grabs, and the best part is that it's free to play. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions about what you think is going to happen during that day's events, and track your results throughout the evening to see if you'll achieve a victory. Questions will range from medal count to questions specific to the USA team. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. Welcome to your Canadian's Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 149 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports uh, Rocket Sports Media, excuse me, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? Good afternoon, sir. I'm doing well. It's, uh, we're into August, it's uh, mm. August 7th, and that tells us that we're just uh, just over one month away uh, from the start of training camps and uh, maybe rookie camp before that. Before that. Um, this, uh, it, this will be interesting. This has been the shortest off-season uh, in NHL history, certainly for, um, for the Montreal Canadiens as well as yeah. uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and, and we'll see if... Um, if if the team, if the players have had 
time enough to um, to recuperate. Uh, some dealing with well, many many players banged up, but but just the um, just the 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 mental uh, time yeah. away. Whether whether that's enough, and then with uh, you know starting so early in in September, whether whether they'll uh, get out to a good start in on uh, October 12th or um, or they'll struggle out the all of those things uh, left to be seen but um, this there's we're into it <laughs> there's yeah. a lot going on uh, and uh, we got a, a pack show for today yeah and some fans still probably need some more time to recuperate well, from that. Too emotional roller coaster of a playoff run for the Montreal Canadiens and for the Tampa Bay Lightning to be fair as well. Yes, Rick, there's there's a lot to get to this week. And uh, I think Rick a, a nice place for us to start is acknowledging that this week uh was the 100th birthday of Canadiens legend and icon Maurice Rocket Richard and and that's just tremendous uh, and a, a tremendous opportunity to celebrate uh, the life and the legacy of the rocket. Uh, amazing. And uh, August 4th uh, was the date. Um, uh, uh, he would have been uh, 100 years old. And, uh, uh, of course, uh, the rocket, uh, the namesake of, of Rocket mm-hmm. Sports, uh, our company. Um, and, um, and just such an impact on uh, the hockey world um, in total. And and for our part, um on our uh, All Habs fan page on Facebook, um, I posted a, a, a an interview clip, and it was an interview clip a, a few, well several years back with CBC host uh, Peter Zosky, and um, and guesting was uh, Maurice Richard, and uh, it was after you know he had retired, and and he was looking back, um, and. Uh, he was asked to recall a game uh, on uh, December 28th, 1944. Um, and that was significant because uh, the previous day he had moved. He had moved from one apartment to the other. And, and uh, I guess it took him two days and he was setting up and moving furniture. And uh, they had a game on the 28th of December and he came in um, and he was a bit tired. Uh, he was really tired and he wasn't sure if he was going to play or not, and and he told his uh, uh, Dick Irvin, the coach, uh, that that um, you know he, he just wasn't feeling it. He wasn't feeling up to it, and so rather than a, a pregame speech, Dick Irvin just just reamed um, the rocket uh, in in the pregame, and uh, and of course, um, Maurice Richard went out and scored five goals and three assists yeah. against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, a nine-one route uh, and uh, you know setting records in the process. Uh, I, I encourage you to go to uh, our uh, uh, Rocket Sport, our uh, All Habs page on on uh, on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com/slash All Habs, and and check out that clip because it's a fascinating. I, the Rocket can obviously tell the story much much better than I <laughs> can right there. Ah, yes, but a fine job, uh, nevertheless. But yeah, as only the Rocket can, right? That is a that is a fantastic story, and yeah, that speaks to the excellence of Maurice Rocket Richard. But Rick, we should say so over at AllHabs.net, the Habs headline post every week, every weekday at AllHabs.net. You got Chris's notepad that comes out on Monday, then Tuesday through Friday, you craft the uh, headlines of uh, of the day and and keep fans abreast of everything that's going on. It's, um, we know you're busy in the summer. We know you have other things to focus on. We know that you don't have 
uh, an enormous amount of time to be checking different websites, de- checking social media. So we put it all in a news capsule that comes out uh, first thing in the morning every uh, Tuesday through Friday, and it gives you just short, um, you know, um, easily digestible kind of news stories, uh, things that you need to know uh, to keep uh, up on the, the happenings of the Montreal Canadiens. Absolutely. And no better place uh, than over at allhabs.net. And Rick, uh, we should say we should tee up the remainder of the show. We're going to get into some roster news in just a couple of moments from now. Then we have a, a rocket report, a Habs prospect report that we're going to get into. We uh, we heard from Angela Price this week in a blog post. We're going to be able uh, to get a, her perspective on a few different things. Of course, the playoff run and then the expansion draft and Carey Price's surgery. Uh, the key elements there that we'll be diving into with respect to that. Uh, we've got some NHL news and notes. Then in the second segment, Rick, a nice continuation of last week's conversation. We talked about what the Canadians have done through free agency. Now we're going to look at how good the remodeled Canadians might be this season and look at the key changes, the amount of improvement over last season, and the different environment the Montreal Canadiens are going to be in this season and what that means for them. So we're going to get into all of that in the second segment. And then in the third segment, the Have Your Say segment, we'll get into uh, some uh, text from from our listener, our good friend Dino, and, and much more in the third segment. So Rick, we'll begin, as I said, with some roster news. And uh, we'll start with, um, you know, we, we started with some, some really nice news surrounding uh, the Rocket, uh, Maurice Richard. And um, unfortunately this week, uh, Rick, we learned of some uh, very difficult and unfortunate news uh, for the for the Kotkaniemi family. Uh, yes, Barry Kotkaniemi's dad, uh, Mikhail, um, is, he's uh, the head coach of uh, a team in Finland, Luko U20 team. Um, he's 52 years old and um, he is recovering now, as announced by the team, from surgery. Um, uh, It was an operation to remove a a cancerous tumor. And um, there's limited information uh, other than um, the the, the team uh, has asked for privacy uh, of the parties uh, and they won't be giving any further statements um, during his uh, recovery and then uh, further treatment, as we understand. Um, The team is wishing... Um, full support to the entire Kotkaniemi family and, and wishing uh, Michaela uh, a speedy recovery. And just, just sad news, uh, heavy news for Jesperi mm-hmm. um, uh, to be dealing with. And uh, our, our hearts go out to the entire family. Absolutely. Just wishing them nothing but the best uh, through this difficult period. Um, but Rick, we'll, we'll move on, make the difficult transition uh, to some news surrounding the Montreal Canadiens with respect to signings because they made a few this week. And, and we'll start with Arturi Lekkinen, who uh, was signed to a one-year contract extension, obviously a key cog in the Canadiens' playoff run. Absolutely. Uh, the the clutch goal, well, he's known for clutch goals. He's known for yeah. shorthanded goals. Um, mm-hmm. But the clutch goal that he scored uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights, propelling the, the uh, Canadiens uh, into the Stanley Cup final, that overtime goal, uh, the, the, we remember that his, his good friend, best friend, let's say on the team, Brendan Gallagher grabbing, uh, gathering the puck, yeah. uh, and, and giving it to him. Now this, this was, a um, maybe not the signing that we were expecting. Uh, we we're kind of expecting, a you know, more of a multi-year, uh, contract. 
Uh, he ended up signing a one-year contract, uh, took a, a very slight pay cut uh, to $2.3 million. Uh, but in, in the way it's structured, he remains a restricted free agent at the end of the contract uh, so that the team will, will have control next year. Uh, mm-hmm. As well, so we'll we'll see what's going on there. Um, but uh, the main thing is that um, Arturi Lekkinen is uh, is locked up for the next year for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, and that's and that's huge news given the fact that Arturi Lekkinen plays such an incredible uh, a huge role with respect to his play five on five. We know the possession numbers are there. His work on the penalty kill, and yes, as you say. He's got a history of scoring some rather significant goals, and that's just an important thing to have uh, locked up for another year. And yes, an RFA again next year. So the Canadians are in good shape with respect to that. So moving on to uh, Michael Pozzetta, because the Montreal Canadiens also signed him to a one-year contract extension. Michael Pozzetta, maybe not um, a household name for for many fans. Michael Pozzetta was uh, a sixth-round pick in the 2016 draft by the Canadiens. 23 years old. Um, he's a, a winger with size, uh, 6'1", 205. Um, he skates well, um, uh, v- very good uh, work ethic, uh, works hard. He's, he's uh, for any of the coaches he's played for, um, came from the Sudbury Wolves, and, and uh, our, our friend Mike Raschel uh, commented on how he played there, the kind of player that's going to go through a wall for, for his teammates and um, so he signed a, a, a one-year contract extension. Um, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a two-way contract. And we had some, some folks on, uh, on the Facebook page asking us, what, what does two-way, what kind of mm-hmm. contract is a two-way contract? Well, that means that uh, if you play in the NHL, uh, you never know, he may get a call-up. Um, mm-hmm. You get uh, one salary if you play in the NHL or, or the AHL. You get a, a different amount of money. Yeah. Uh, in Michael Pozzetta's specific case, it's seven fifty, seven hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars league minimum at the NHL level, and uh, eighty two thousand five hundred at the AHL level. And we remember that uh, I said, you know, he's the kind of guy that'll stand up for teammates. Uh, he was the protector. Of Cole Caulfield when when mm-hmm. Cole Caulfield went down and and there was some uh, there was some teams uh, I think it was the Marlies uh, that were playing uh, the Laval Rocket at the time that tried to take uh, some liberties with uh, Cole mm-hmm. Caulfield and Michael Pozzetta was having absolutely none of it. Yeah, and that's you know what you expect with a, a talented young player entering the AHL, and there are going to be some veterans on the other side that. Yeah, that, that do that. So you, it's good to have somebody like Pizzetta to uh, protect them uh, when that happens. So another one-year contract extension there. And, and Rick, will move on to uh, goaltender Michael McNiven because he was also signed to a one-year contract extension. And this one, um, uh, uh, Michael McNiven had filed for uh, salary arbitration, as mm-hmm. is the right of restricted free agents uh, by the player deadline. And uh, what we're seeing is um, a, a hearing was set. The hearing was set uh, on the 11th of August, I believe, um, uh, to, to have a, a mediator rule. Um, these these uh, situations vi- these days very rarely go to an arbitration hearing. They're usually settled uh, before that. Uh, and there's been 
no sooner was the the hearing dates uh, the hearing dates were released by the NHLPA earlier this week, and no sooner were they released than we had a whole raft of of settlements. Um, mm-hmm. I saw Zach Sanford in in St. Louis, uh, Victor Mete in in Ottawa. Yes, uh, settled yeah. his before the the uh, the hearing. Aiden Hill D- and Dante Fabro, uh, Vince Dunn uh, with uh, yeah. Uh, and um, and Adam Pellick, uh, the the a, a big award, huge, uh, yeah, yeah, with the Islanders, uh, yeah. eight eight by five seven five. So uh, it's not a surprise that uh, that it's settled. Uh, the way it 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 um, sh- shaped out for uh, Michael McNiven, again the seven fifty minimum if he plays in the NHL, uh, one hundred thousand dollars at the AHL level, and he'll get a, a minimum. Over the year of one hundred and ten thousand dollars. Yeah, so there you go. A, a few signings with respect to players for the Montreal Canadiens this week, and, and shifting focus to the coaching staff because Rick, we already had seen extensions and a promotion. Well, or the tag, the interim tag, being removed for uh, head coach Dominique Ducharme. We saw the extension for Luke Richardson, and here now we have uh, Alex Burroughs signed to a three-year contract extension as well. So Alex Burroughs, the last of the uh, the Canadians' um, coaches to, to well, I shouldn't say that because we still don't know what's going to happen with Sean Burke. Um, yes, yeah. that that situation is yet to be resolved. But uh, goaltend goalie coach was added. Uh, Luke mm-hmm. Richardson uh, signed an extension. Um, Dominic Ducharme had, got his permanent status, and now uh, Alex Burroughs signed a three-year contract extension, and and uh, he was part of of uh, that whole uh, change to the coaching staff when Claude Julien, Kirk Muller, uh, fired on on the twenty fourth of February, uh, came in. Burroughs did as uh, as an assistant to Dominic Ducharme from the Laval Rocket. And, um, and and there were some that thought that maybe at the end of the season, uh, it would be uh, um, um, Alex Burroughs who was going back to uh, Laval yeah. to get some more experience. His, you know, uh, to be to be uh, fair, and uh, his his coaching resume is is rather thin. He, he kind of retired one day and was yeah. appointed uh, <laughs> the next day. Um, and his his uh, particular. Uh, uh, dossier with with respect to the Canadians is working with the forwards and working with the power play and um, almost immediately like the, the first week uh, there was a, a bit of a blip the the power play responded yeah. uh, and then it fell back and and uh, I, I I expect that you know the Canadians were about I believe it was 18th 17th 18th on the power play last year. I think that's probably on his uh, things to do list over the summer is to um, make sure, especially with with this the additional offensive firepower, uh, to to design um, power play systems uh, to best utilize all that extra offense. Yeah, absolutely, and and that was something that, as you said, Rick. Yeah, there were improvements in the early going for Alex Burrows. There were some early returns, and yeah, as time went on, they sort of went uh, went the other other direction but yes uh, so all three guys that were on the bench uh, with the exclusion of, of Sean Burke when he joined uh, when Dominic Ducharme was quarantining but the three guys that were at the helm the uh, for most of the season are going to be back and that's and that's good news uh, Rick so with the addition of free agents and retaining some guys as well 
there comes the expectation that other players are going to depart. And one of those guys this week uh, was Thomas Tatar. And Tatar is an interesting case, Rick, because we know the last three years, uh, the line with Philip Deneau, who, of course, since departed for Los Angeles, and Brendan Gallagher, they had a, a lot of success playing together. Um, and, you know, it, other points, there was a bit of a mixed bag in terms of the results that you got from that line, but they were rather consistent with respect to the Canadians scoring. Uh, they, they just did not have any any secondary scoring really at that point in time. So they relied on that line pretty heavily. But Thomas Tatar really didn't figure into the Canadians' plans once the playoffs began, and we saw him get displaced, and now he has departed for the New Jersey Devils, signing a two-year contract. Two years at $4.5 million uh, a year, and and uh, a nice signing by New Jersey, who's, um, mm-hmm. I think they've quietly uh, made some nice moves uh, well, and not I, so quiet. Well, I was going to say there was a, a not so quiet move in, in signing yeah. Dougie Hamilton. Uh, but the Ryan Graves, uh, picking up Ryan Graves Ex- from yeah. Colorado yeah. Um, and uh, adding Jonathan Bernier. Um, and, and of course, the uh, the, the draft uh, with with the, uh, yes. the Hughes brothers. Uh, but in adding Thomas Tatar, 30 years old, uh, you know, he, he had good offensive production even last year during the regular season. Yep. Uh, for the Montreal Canadiens, 10 goals, 20 assists for 30 points in 50 games. Um, in the playoffs, you mentioned it. Um, I, it happened uh, when he was with Vegas and certainly has mm-hmm. happened uh, with Montreal. He's just not a player who, uh, who gets going during the playoffs. He, was only, he only appeared in five of 22 um, Canadiens playoff games this year. Yeah. Had one assist, uh, just three shots on goal in those those five games, a minus two. He was playing uh, fourteen minutes a game, so it wasn't ice time. He just uh, he just couldn't get it going, and he, and and that's been kind of the knock on him uh, the last f- uh, few years. So um, he'll he'll help uh, New Jersey, um, yeah. who have a lot of young talent there, uh, and he'll help uh, certainly for for the regular season. But it was, um, you know, it was, as, as you said, there was that, uh, that first line and certainly a, a deep bond between mm-hmm. Tatar and Deneau and Gallagher. Uh, the three of them very close. We remember seeing uh, when the Canadians uh, won the uh, Clarence Campbell Bowl, uh, there, was, there was the team pictures around the bowl. But then the three of them, uh, Gallagher, Tatar, and uh, Deneau, um, took their own photos with with uh, the cup, so there there seemed to be some sort of um, a bonding, and and I yeah. think perhaps even uh, a knowledge that uh, their time as a line was was coming to an end. Yeah, and I mean it, it's I think a situation where and you and you brought this up with respect to Vegas and that situation too. The reason why I think I like this so much for New Jersey is, I mean, this is a player that's got a lot to prove here, and he's coming into a situation where he's going to have an opportunity to prove that. And on a two-year term, four and a half million, I think it's it's a nice gamble to take for the New Jersey Devils, who have used who you said have had a pretty nice offseason. But I believe we do have a clip as well of Thomas Tatar. Obviously, the ending was uh, a little rough. You know, uh, it's tough to find the words. I was very, very disappointed, very disappointed. But at the same time, I was super, super happy for the guys and uh, the the way how they play. I was, I was very proud. I really thought I could help. Um, 
you know, in the finals uh, to, to, to help the team. But, you know, coaches are making mistakes. Players are making mistakes. I just wanted to prove it, how, how big of a mistake that was. But, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed my time in Montreal, for sure. There were three very, very special years to me. Um, he's, he's very direct. He's, he's very mm -hmm. blunt. And uh, he thought that the coaching staff, and he's talking about the Canadians coaching staff, had made a mistake um, yeah. by not playing them. And he was desperate to get in the lineup, particularly in the finals, to prove to them what, uh, what a huge mistake it was. Uh, that's, 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 um, those are very direct words from Thomas yeah. Tatar. And I mean, you know, there were there were people who were saying on social media they would have liked to have seen Thomas Tatar get another opportunity. But when you get that far in, I mean, it's a coach's decision and they went with the guys who got them there. And Thomas Tatar was not one of those guys. So, um, yeah, I, I can understand the frustration from that perspective. But, yeah, it's it's a situation now where he wasn't given that opportunity. And now he has a new opportunity in New Jersey to try to prove those coaches wrong, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. And, and, and he said that he's, he's, um, he's grateful for uh, the yeah. time he spent in, in Montreal. Uh, he felt that he had a very good relationship uh, with Mark Bergevin. He, he called him a friend. Um, he thought that he had a very good relationship with the, uh, the Montreal fans. Um, but he was, he was just uh, disappointed in the way it ended. And, and he said that he had some, uh, an idea that it was going to end um, around the the COVID break. Uh, mm -hmm. He said once once Mark Bergevin and he said that that uh, they had some um, very preliminary discussions about about uh, uh, extending his contract, but that that um, once Mark Bergevin signed uh, Tyler Toffoli and uh, Josh Anderson, that to him. Uh, the writing was on the the wall that uh, yeah. that he would not be returning. Um, he said that um, he, he said that that uh, he hoped he wasn't talking out of school, but that uh, he understood that Brendan Gallagher was uh, disappointed that um, that he wasn't returning to the team, and that he and and Gallagher had been uh, like brothers. Um, and 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 yes, there was absolutely an undeniable bond between. Uh, those uh, the the three players on that top line. Yeah, and uh, but yeah. So as he moves on to New Jersey, uh, Thomas Tatar, the last three years. I mean, considering, you know, the the beginnings of of Thomas Tatar's tenure in Montreal, he was just a guy that had to be thrown into the trade to make the cap work out, and uh, it turned out pretty nicely for the mm -hmm. Montreal Canadiens. They got some nice production. So I uh, wish Thomas Tatar all the best, and and hopefully. Uh, he gets a chance to prove that he is that guy in New Jersey. And if they get to the playoffs, he gets an opportunity to sort of kick the uh, reputation of not being a playoff performer. Uh, but Rick, we will move on and have a Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. So, Rick, this week we heard an awful lot about the Canadians' 2020 first-round pick, Caden Gooley. Well, and we heard about him because he was part of the uh, National Junior Development Camp uh, that was taking place, uh, run by Team Canada, uh, taking place uh, just outside of Calgary. Um, and, and it's the kind of camp we saw the same thing with uh, the Americans having their camp. 
where they invited the the, the Finns and and the Swedish team, and it, it's a it's a a camp where um, almost a a, an ex, a a selection camp where they they invite a big roster, and it's uh, they're able to evaluate the prospects uh, that have a chance of making the World Juniors. Uh, come December and January. And uh, um, certainly Caden Gooley, um, uh, Canadians, w- one of their top prospects uh, on defense, is, uh, it will, well, uh, I, I would say is, is a lock to make uh, uh, the Team Canada junior uh, team. And uh, t- uh, Team Canada uh, brass think very, very highly of him, and and there's talk that uh, he could be the captain for this uh, this year's mm-hmm. squad. Um, he, um, but he still, you know, he, it still kind of sticks in his craw about uh, that losing that that game uh, yeah. to the Americans, and uh, ended up uh, with a, a silver medal, but was asked. Um, uh, and if if um, you know his feelings about last year's game, and he said, I- "I'm I'm just not over it yet," um, mm-hmm. he's still still upset by it. Um, and we remember last year he had a bit of a, a tough year. Um, we remember uh, the he is a, a defenseman and captain of the the Prince Albert Raiders. Uh, the WHL was not playing, uh, and mm-hmm. so he had the opportunity to join the Laval Rocket. And uh, and he he practiced uh, for a good portion of, of the time, uh, got into three games and, and actually uh, uh, didn't look out of place at all, uh, yeah. playing for the Laval Rocket. Um, and then uh, once the WHL um, got going, that he returned to Prince Albert and two games uh, in, he uh, he hurt his hand and then was out for the rest of the year. But looks to be. Back in shape now, um, maybe a little bit rusty, but uh, I think he had a uh, a pretty good uh, reintroduction uh, at Team Canada's uh, evaluation camp. Absolutely, and yeah, the type of loss that the Canadians suffered at the hands of the Americans in the World Juniors in the gold medal game—that's the one that kind of sticks with you. But I think the fact that he didn't really get to play any other games to sort of wash away perhaps that yeah. memory a little bit more. Like I mean, with Cole Caulfield, the way that they lost at Wisconsin. But he was then right in the AHL, right onto a Stanley Cup playoff run with the Montreal Canadiens. He was able to wash that away a little bit. So, yeah, it's 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 had to have been a pretty long year for Caden Gooley uh, to try to get over that loss. Uh, and, and they'll have an opportunity. And right now, development camp in Calgary, it's looking really good for Caden Gooley. Yeah. Uh, but, but shifting gears, Rick, uh, the Laval Rocket continuing to fill out their bench, of course, some turnover on the, on the Laval Rocket bench. We know with Joel Bouchard leaving, and now we have a new head coach, and we have a new assistant coach uh, with Martin LaPerriere. Kind of emptied the bench. Uh, Joel Bouchard (laughs) going and taking Daniel Jacob with him. Alex Burroughs bumped up to uh, the Canadians. Uh, So other than uh, Marco Marciano, the goaltending coach and video coach, uh, there was an empty bench. And and, uh, a short time ago, J.F. Houle, was uh, was hired then Kelly Buckberger as uh, mm-hmm. an assistant coach and now they've added uh, Martin Laperriere. Laperriere, that name sounds familiar. Well, it should yeah. because uh, he's the son of Jacques Laperriere, a Hall of Fame defenseman uh, for the Montreal Canadiens. And it's interesting because we have J.F. Houl, uh, son of Ray Jean, um, yeah. and Martin, son of Jacques. Uh, and uh, for the most part, um, um, uh, the the career of uh, career as a coach 
uh, for Martin Laperriere has been with Quebec Ramparts. And when mm-hmm. you say Quebec Ramparts, the name you, you know from there is Patrick Waugh. Yes. So Martin has been the kind of the right-hand uh, guy for uh, 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 Patrick Waugh. Uh, going back to uh, the 2005 season, uh, he's been uh, an assistant coach made a slight detour for a couple of years, but then back to uh, uh, the Remparts as an associate coach. So lots of, of Q experience, lots of uh, teaching experience. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, when you, when you, um, when you think of, of kind of the all-time um, loyal uh, assistant, you think of Jacques Perrier. He was with mm-hmm. Pat Burns. He was in Montreal. He was in Boston. Uh, with the island, he's still uh, with New Jersey as a, as a consultant at I believe seventy nine years old. So wow. um, uh, those kind of those kind of values uh, have been passed on to um, Martin Laperriere, and I think uh, quite a uh, an interesting uh, coaching staff that they've put together uh, in Laval, uh, each with kind of their own. Uh, specialities and and it looks like uh, they're going to mesh together nicely, and and focus. I believe at least this is what uh, JF Wool said. Focus more mm-hmm. on development, more on teaching rather than rather than winning. So uh, I think that can only be positive when there's a huge influx of of uh, new prospects coming in and through the the uh, the system. Absolutely, and yeah, a change in philosophy. I know that there was the the level of success last year with with uh, Joel Bouchard, but this is what the AHL is supposed to be about. And I think the Canadians with a change of philosophy here have, have done a pretty nice job in assembling this coaching staff. Uh, but Rick, we should say to be sure to read the content at AHL.report and listen and subscribe to the press zone Montreal podcast for more information like we just discussed. Um, so, so Rick, we'll move on. And, and Rick, this was a very interesting thing that was posted this week uh, by Angela Price. And we got to get her perspective on a few different things uh, of interest for Montreal Canadiens fans. It started with the playoff run and the highs and lows of that. Then it got to the expansion draft and the even higher highs and lower lows of that. That was an absolute roller coaster. And what did she think of that? And then you get into Carrie Price's surgery as well, which was also lingering in and around the time of the expansion draft. So this has been a whirlwind for Angela and Carrie and Rick, when you get into this blog post, you really get to see what her life was like during this last three months, four months. That has just been uh, insanity. Yeah, just a, a stream of thought kind of uh, personal blog where yeah. she shares the 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 uh, the thoughts that they had, the struggles, the challenges, um, and and first, you know, you you don't um, necessarily think about uh, the playoffs as being anything other than exciting, but she described mm-hmm. it as a wild ride, the worst, best experience in my life. Yeah. Um, and and talked about uh, how anxious she was uh, through the playoffs, uh, that uh, she, she just, uh, it, it was just uh, eating her up inside, but uh, never uh, having experienced such amazing um uh, feelings of, of excitement uh, when the team was winning and moving on. And, and certainly, she says, uh, some of the favorite hockey memories 
uh, of all time for for her. Um, and then getting into the, the expansion draft. And we know that uh, there was all kinds of speculation on mm-hmm. uh, social media about, oh, Carrie Bryce just wants out. He, he, he just wants. And, and um, you know, it, it, it's, it's far more nuanced than, than that. And, and um, uh, it, it's interesting that, that she said that, um, you know, it, that one of the things that came out, it was that, that it was Carrie's decision. And she doesn't, she doesn't endorse that. She doesn't deny it. She just said the decision was made to leave Carrie unprotected during the, the expansion draft. She didn't say where it came from. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but then, and she said that the, the thought at the beginning was, um, we, we, we've got to find some way to protect Jake. Uh, and, and Mark Bergevin, uh, wasn't interested in, in doing a trade or, or the cost of a deal was too high so that, uh, they thought that the, they would step up and, and, uh, that exposing Carrie would be, um, uh, you know, a safe move. And she talked about, uh, they were told that, uh, that Seattle would be put off by the size of his contract, uh, by, yeah. by his injury. Injury, yeah. Um, and then she said uh, that, that just every day she just uh, scoured Twitter uh, looking for information because she started getting very anxious, particularly mm-hmm. when the noise out of Seattle was they yeah. weren't put off by the contract. In fact, the owners were, uh, you know, endorsing uh, selecting him in the expansion draft. They weren't put off by uh, his injury. There was other players, Yanni Gord, for example, that that had to go undergo surgery. So uh, she started getting very nervous. So uh, to to calm herself, she started saying, "Well, maybe it'll be okay. Um, maybe we can, you know, have." Uh, holiday dinners uh, with family mm-hmm. and our families out there and trying to calm herself and bring herself down. Um, and then um, she said it was kind of, uh, it, it was brought starkly uh, that it was, was likely to happen when Carrie's agent phoned and said, listen, keep your phone with you. Um, and um, I know you're, you're planning to go to New York the day for uh, the, uh, the medical appointment, the day after uh, the expansion draft, but we may ha- we might have to change uh, travel plans here because this looks like it might happen. Mm-hmm. And at that point, uh, she said she just freaked out and said, uh, "Carrie, you're not you're not putting on a Seattle uniform, and you're not walking down and being introduced to. This. You are a Montreal Canadian. We are Montreal Canadians family, and mm-hmm. uh, this can't happen." Um, so it, yeah, uh, it, it was a. Uh, I don't know. It, it a very difficult, very emotional, and uh, and obviously uh, something that uh, consumed the family for uh, that period of time. And you you think of it only from the perspective of well, what does that mean? If 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 the Seattle Kraken went down that road, you you would only really think of well, how does this affect Carey Price and and his you know, state of being and, and with respect to the Canadians as well, where did they go from there? But you also had to think about what that meant for Angela and the kids as well. And, and I know that, yeah, as you talked about, she was mentally preparing for that to be the case. And there were things about it that maybe sounded good, but yeah, once you got to the idea of Carrie Price wearing that Seattle Kraken jersey, it became a little bit harder to swallow. And yeah, 
it was just an eye-opening blog post to read mm-hmm. from Angela Price. And yeah, it, it has to have been an incredibly, um, you know, uh, as I said, a whirlwind uh, for her over the last few months and for Carrie as well, obviously. But it's been it's been pretty remarkable and it was great to get that insight. Um, yeah, it, I, th- I think that, um, you know, the the whole experience kind of unearthed uh, the, uh, her true feelings. Uh, Carrie's yeah. already, always said that he wants to retire as a Montreal Canadian. He wants to win the Stanley Cup as a Montreal Canadian. And yeah. and she says that uh, through the experience, she knew that her heart is with uh, the Canadians organization. Um, she ended her blog just uh, talking about um, the trip to New York. Uh, yeah. And Carrie Price's surgery, he did not need, uh, it was determined that he did not need hip surgery. He had uh, knee surgery. Um, Her summary about that was uh, as follows, quote, Carrie's surgery went exactly how we had hoped, and it looks like he has just a couple months of rehab ahead of him. Then we hope his knee will be as good as new. And she talked about them. um, They they spent a couple of days um, as as the medical uh, people checked up on how the the surgery went spent a couple of days going going into um uh, central park and and uh and you, you can imagine carrie price sitting you know crut- on crutches uh yeah uh, bandaged up and and uh and heading over and sitting on a bench in central park and just as you know um there are all kinds of people i'm sure around him and not even realizing who exactly yeah. it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and the thought again once again and this this brought us back to it was that was Carey Price playing with a knee so banged up that he needed to have surgery and he still looked as good as he did throughout the playoffs so it's just yeah another remarkable uh, look into the life of Carey Price but uh, Rick we'll move on and get to some NHL news and notes because uh, you know we've talked about the harsh realities of a flat cap NHL uh, there is a report uh, from Frank Saravalli, that the NHL salary cap is expected to rise in 2022-2023. So perhaps that on the horizon, giving some relief to teams who are a little bit cap-strung at the moment. But uh, yeah, that's that's just a, a report from Frank Saravalli. It's um is is not rising a lot. Um, no. But but given that it will, this will be the third year where it's uh, stayed flat. Uh, it is good news uh, for teams. Uh, he's exp- he says that, uh, uh, according to his information, the NHL salary cap is projected to rise to $82.5 million. That's up $1 million from its current level, and that will rise in 2022-23. Um, and then, um, you know, as the revenue continues to recover... Um, that that he expects, or at least the uh, the folks at Daily Faceoff are are projecting that the cap will rise one million dollars um, each year after that, uh, until it gets to twenty twenty six twenty seven, where they figure that the cap will then be subject to to market forces, and and there may be a. Uh, 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 a bigger jump uh, in the cap at that point. Um, the reason that it's it's the the increase is uh, restricted is because there is a big bill opening uh, owing uh, by the the players. Uh, what happens is the according to the CBA, the revenues are split 50-50 between the owners and the players. Fifty percent of the revenue goes to uh, player salaries. 
Now, because of uh, the lack of revenue, uh, the, the, the pandemic uh, affected revenue, uh, there is a huge bill that, uh, a huge escrow bill that, uh, that the players are owing. And the, and the way that they work this out to pay that back was just to, to hold on to the cap and let the revenues build um, so that uh, there's a catch-up and so that that, that that money can be paid back. And and uh, according to uh, Frank, that, that uh, looks like it could be paid back by 2025-26. Uh, and then after that, it would be uh, um, uh, free, free reign with respect to the cap that it would be able to grow according to the, to the revenues. So... Um, there, there's still, you know, there's cautious optimism there that, uh, the NHL is, uh, and, and the franchises, um, there's a plan to get back to, uh, financial health. Yeah. And, and we'll see how that goes, but yeah, as right, as of right now, if there is any rise at all, I think teams will be looking forward to that. Uh, so Rick, we'll take our first break here on the Canadians connection podcast. When we come back last week, we talked about the moves the Montreal Canadians made this week. We're going to dive in a little bit more and look at how good the remodeled Canadians are. So stay with us here on the Canadians connection podcast on rocket sports radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen19. And with me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website over at CanadiansConnection.com. And uh, so, Rick, last week we talked about the signings that the Canadians made in the early stages of free agency, some new additions, um, some exciting new additions that were made with the likes of Mike Hoffman uh, joining the Canadians, uh, 
uh, you had David Savard. And of course, you know, the remodeling that has gone on here has been largely because the Canadians, well, with respect to David Savard, that was to try and replace Shea Weber. So the Canadians had a goal there in free agency to try to get someone to eat those minutes. David Savard is who they landed on with respect to that. But you have David Savard, you added uh, Mike Hoffman, who is a guy who is obviously a, a accomplished goal scorer in this league, Matthew Perot, and, and then his uh his work in Winnipeg has been pretty nice over the last few years. Cedric Paquette is a guy who, if the Canadians lose, Philip Deneau wanted a little bit more certainty in the faceoff dot. So there's been additions here when you look at this, Rick, that, that you know, perhaps this is going to be a, a pretty good team or just about where they were last season. But when you really consider the loss of, of Shea Weber and what he has meant to this team over the last number of years, it gets harder to think that this is a team that has gotten better after this period. This has been a job for Mark Bergevin to try and make this team better, but really, how good are these remodeled Montreal Canadiens? Exactly. And as you said, this is kind of an extension of what we talked about yeah. last week. Um, these 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 uh, roster additions are are kind of um, almost exclusively uh, to deal with uh, injuries yeah. injuries uh, to uh, Shea Weber Paul Byron will be out yeah. uh, for the first few months um, and uh, the the departures of the unrestricted free agents uh, Dano and Tatar so all of these folks you see well um, you know uh, uh, Perot is 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 there for uh, some defensive help, as is Paquette. Paquette will help with face-offs and some penalty killing. Um, Savard, as you said, with with uh, uh, to take some of those minutes, those difficult minutes from Weber, Hoffman, uh, to replace the scoring of Tatar. Um, so all of these things are replaced. So where is the where is the improvement? And we we said that the conclusion we came to last week as we we're trying to to do our um, slotting of of the lines and yeah. defensive pairings was that there were there there might be things that are still on um uh, mark bergevin's agenda on his plate things that he um you know he, it, things have gone quiet uh a little bit with with the uh mark bergevin and the signings but we expect that that this isn't the final product that we're going to see as of training camp and we wondered if there are things uh is is he still looking for a puck moving defenseman to add to yeah. the group? Um, is he happy with uh, his centers, or will he add uh, an experienced center? Uh, is he? There's been speculation that he's been involved with Jack Eichel. Is that going to resolve itself? Uh, as difficult as it sounds, um, be, that 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 relationship between the Sabers and and mm-hmm. Eichel. Uh, the, you know, what are the internal, um, uh, in-house, uh, solutions, yeah. um, with respect to paling, with respect to Norlander. Um, and the other thing is, uh, what's going to happen, uh, with Jesperi Kotkaniemi? Um, yeah. he'll be re-signed, but, but what will that contract look like? And it might say something about, uh, you know, uh, where they, they assume that, that he's going to fit in in the lineup. The other file, I guess, uh, that Mark Bergevin has to deal with is um, uh, Jonathan Drouin. And yeah. will he be traded? Will, how he, will he be reintroduced to the team? 
those are things that we kind of t- uh, outlined last week uh, in episode 148 as being still yet on our Mark Bergevin's plate. But if we look at the roster as it is, um, mm-hmm. and and uh, and 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 assume, well, uh, say that that he's done, how does it measure up um, as we go forward, um, knowing that that they'll um, they'll be out of the, the Canadian division back yeah. into uh, the Atlantic and, and, and how, how are the Canadians going to measure up uh, this coming year? Yeah. And, and if we start and look at this roster comparatively to last year's roster, and if we start there before we get into how this roster stacks up against who they're going to play, the the one thing, if we're looking at improvement with respect to this roster is that they might be in a better position. And we know, Rick, over the last few years, and, and we touched on this last week, the the MO for the Montreal Canadiens and for Mark Bergervan was to create a roster that could do things by committee. And the one thing that this roster might be better positioned to do is scoring goals by committee. And that has been Mark Bergervan's goal for as long as he has been has been at the helm of the Montreal Canadiens. You add Mike Hoffman, that gives you a goal score essentially on every line, a guy that's that's proven as a goal scorer. There's there's just a little bit more depth for the Montreal Canadiens with respect to that. The other part of it is uh, what kind of growth are you going to get internally from Suzuki, from Caulfield, from Kaniemi, and whatever that contract, when that gets resolved. That's a, obviously, though, a bit of a dangerous game to play to try to project the you know improvement over just one season for those guys and to see them take on a bigger role and and quite frankly uh for a good chunk of this season we saw how much that sort of weighed on Jesperi Kotkaniemi and Nick Suzuki how much those guys were driving the bus offensively in the bubble and then in the regular season they weren't able to sustain for the entire season, which is which is perfectly fine and, and should have been expected. But the Canadians needed them to do that, and they weren't able to, at least in the middle portion of the season. Suzuki finished uh, strong, as we know. But but yeah, Rick, I think that's really the only two the only two things that you can look at and say that the Canadians might be in better position uh, with respect to last year is you have uh, Mike Hoffman added into the fold who in, improves the opportunities for the Canadians to be a team that scores goals by committee. And there is a little bit more young talent to try to project the growth of internally. But but beyond that, Rick, when you look at the back end, uh, David Savard and Shea Weber, there, there, there just isn't, you know, you can talk about David Savard being able to come in and, and eat up minutes, but but there's no replacing Shea Weber. We've talked about that the last number of weeks. That's going to be the question mark really for the Montreal Canadiens. But yeah, so looking at things comparatively last year to this year, the Canadians perhaps better positioned to be a better goal scoring team, but what are you giving up on the other end of that? And without Shea Weber, there's a big question mark there. That's right. So um, to to help us look at this, there was uh, a number of um, metrics out there over the last uh, week or two uh, that various uh, publications have been putting out. Uh, so we're going to look at uh, a few of those. Um, the, the, there's the, uh, a model that projects the number of additional wins or fewer wins um, uh, based on, on the current lineups. Uh, there's there's a, a first stab at, at power rankings. There's uh, another 
um, organization that put out uh, initial uh, standings, um, final standings, and then finally there's uh, the betting odds. Uh, so um, let's take let's take a look at those, and and maybe I'll start with. Um, the one that uh, that talks about whether the 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 teams will have uh, more wins or fewer wins uh, based on their lineup. It's a model uh, put together by Don Lasician uh, over at the Athletic, and um, he runs the model and says, uh, "Here's here's the the players that came in. Here's the players that are going out. How many extra wins?" Uh, does that mean for the club? And and we find that we were talking earlier about um, uh, the New Jersey Devils. Uh, they're mm-hmm. at the top of the list, and this was done even before the the Thomas Tatar edition. Yeah. Uh, but based on Dougie Hamilton, Jonathan Bernier, Ryan Graves coming in uh, and going out, Will Butcher, uh, Aaron Dell, and Ryan Murray, they they predict the model predicts uh, that the New Jersey uh, Devils will have an additional 4.3 wins. Um, now let's get to the Canadians, um, and it's interesting because uh, the assumptions that the model makes, um, it, because the, um, the 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 LTIR decision has not yet been made on Shea Weber, the model assumes that Shea Weber's still in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was done before uh, Thomas Tatar uh, signed with New Jersey, so there was always the possibility that Thomas Tatar would be returning to Montreal. So the the model includes uh, Thomas Tatar. So uh, whatever the result is, um, you have to expect that it'll be the model would have been affected in a in a more negative way if you mm-hmm. take out Weber and if you take out Tatar. Yeah. So for the Montreal Canadiens, the model says uh, out are are Phil Deneau, John Merrill, Corey Perry, and Kale Fleury. Kale Fleury to expansion draft, um, and and the others lost uh, to unrestricted free agency. As I said, doesn't include Tatar or Weber. In you have Mike Hoffman, Matthew Perot, David Savard, Cedric Paquette, um, and. The Canadians will lose 0.7 wins. They'll have um, roughly one win fewer. Uh, so roughly, they, they'll stay the same according to this model as mm-hmm. last season. And we know they finished 18th in, in the uh, yeah. NHL. But then when you, when you deduct uh, Tatar and Weber, um, then the, the, the model would project that uh, they'll have a worse season than they did last year. And that's why we're kind of on the, the leaning towards uh, the 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 theory that that Mark Bergevin is not yet done. Yeah, and I mean when you look at what the Canadians are going to be up against, and you talk about the shift from the Canadian division back to the Atlantic division, and you're going to be seeing that same team that you know ended your season, the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defending Stanley Cup champions, not to mention the fact that the Boston Bruins are going to re-enter the fray as are the uh the uh, Florida Panthers who we both like who had a great season last year. The Toronto Maple Leafs are still going to be there. Uh you know, the Detroit Red Wings the last time the Montreal Canadiens played the Detroit Red Wings, they gave the Canadians absolute fits and that was as one of the worst teams in the NHL. So and then you have the Ottawa Senators, who also gave the Canadians fits. This is not going to be very easy 
for the Montreal Canadiens. And when you account for, as you said, that model that had the Canadians at minus 0.7, uh, you know, with, that they were going to have a worse season before accounting for the loss of Shea Weber and Thomas Tatar. I think that that is, you, you know, you're well within your rights to say that this is going to be a lot for the Canadians to overcome. And it would lead many to believe, I think, that the Montreal Canadiens are probably looking to make another addition or potentially two regard, you know, regarding the roster. And yeah, what, what, what does that mean? I mean, the Buffalo Sabres are also in the Atlantic division, but you know, uh, you, you sort of forget about, about them for a little while, but the situation surrounding Jack Eichel and, and that the way that that's evolved, are the Canadians in on that? I mean, there's, there's a lot of questions here about where Mark Bergevin is going to go, but Looking at the division, uh, it is going to be even tougher for the Canadians uh, this season. For sure. Um, so uh, rather than just uh, talk about one metric, we'll look at we'll look at a few. Mm-hmm. And and there was one that came out a model by uh, Bruce Chevalier, uh, the, the Instat hockey people, um, and he looked at uh, the final uh, standings projections uh, for each division. Uh, we we said the the Canadians. Uh, back in the Atlantic, and and uh, the way he had it, uh, uh, his sorry, his model um, projected this uh, to have Tampa Bay uh, in in first spot in the division, uh, Florida, who yeah, they had a great run last year. They yeah. made some nice moves in the off season. Would be in the second position. Uh, I predict Toronto taking a little step back, but not too much at, at, in the third position. And Boston, the Boston Bruins, um, who, you know, you see um, the discussion around uh, that, that folks are, are wondering if, if they're going to uh, uh, fall out of the playoff picture. Um, but uh, I like that move of Linus Ulmark that uh, adding, um, yeah. given the, the, the Tuka Rask situation. Yeah. Uh, so um, in stack hockey, they have um, uh, the the Boston Bruins taking the the last playoff position. Uh, that would put the Canadians out of the playoff picture in fifth, and that's uh, the fortunate part about being in that division is that uh, the Canadians are in with Detroit, Ottawa, and Buffalo, um, who are are not expected to have uh, well, they're they're. They're 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 still rebuilding. Lots of young talent mm-hmm. uh, on on yeah. both. We've liked some of the things that Steve Eiserman has done. Yeah. Um, but the expectation is that that the Canadians should be able to stay ahead of of uh, those three teams. But that would still, uh, in this model, um, have them out of the playoffs uh, this coming season. Yeah, and I mean, you know, with with that said, I mean, when we've seen the Canadians play. The Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators were a team that were rolling uh, for the good chunk of that season, and if it had gone any longer, perhaps the Ottawa Senators would have overtaken the Montreal Canadiens. So, their improvement for this season is going to be one that'll be very interesting to watch there. But yeah, Rick, it, it'll come down to the Canadians, uh, perhaps being able to handle their business against teams that they should be able to beat. Because yeah, the other guys, the other teams in that division are just tough to play against. And as you said, with the Boston Bruins, I also like the addition of Eric Hala. I've always really liked Eric Hala, and I thought that that was a really nice depth move to bring him into the fold. Yeah, an interesting offseason for Boston, and and there's been times over the last few years where I thought that maybe Boston would would slip a little bit, and then they've just managed to come back and find a way to be stronger. Uh, But but Rick, so if, if that's what the sort of 
the rankings might be looking like for for this season. I mean, you have to think the Montreal Canadiens were just in a Stanley Cup final. Who are the betting odds? Who are the betting favorites to win the Stanley Cup final this season? We're going to get to the betting favorites, but I just want to t- uh, add one more piece, and that's the mm-hmm. power rankings. Uh, the very first yeah. uh, set of power rankings came out uh, from The Athletic and put together by uh, Don Lasician and, and Sean Gentile. Um, and uh, in the power rankings, they have uh, Tampa Bay uh, on top. They have Colorado in second, Vegas Golden Knights in third, the Leafs in uh, fourth in the power rankings, and the New York Islanders uh, taking up the, that's the top five. Yeah. Where did the Canadians end up on their uh, power rankings? Uh, they have the Canadians at 23rd in the league right. in their power rankings. Um, and and uh, the comments are, uh, the Canadians will be without Deneau, without uh, Weber, without Tatar, and even when they had those folks in the lineup, they struggled to make the playoffs last year yeah. in Canada. Um, technically, uh, 18th would have would have had them missing the playoffs. So uh, they say that it's going to be much tougher, as we've been saying, in the Atlantic. Uh, mm-hmm. And they have uh, the Montreal Canadiens in their power rankings in the 23rd spot. Yeah, and, and that makes sense given everything, as you said, you explained the losses that they've had, um, it's, it's going to be a lot to overcome, especially, as we've said, in the Atlantic Division, which is going to be far tougher than the North Division, and you're going to have to be dealing with teams on a night-to-night basis, I mean, even without, even outside of, of your divi- division, presumably. So that's going to be even harder for the Montreal Canadiens. Um, so, so, Rick, obviously, as, as I said, the Montreal Canadiens, they were in a Stanley Cup final weren't expected to be there and there were teams that were thought to have been better than the Montreal Canadiens one of which that they, they defeated in the in the semifinals the Vegas Golden Knights when you look at this season and and who projects to be a Stanley Cup favorite you would have to think that a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning the Lightning the defending champions would be right in the thick of it and some of those other western conference teams uh, that looked pretty tough so the the betting odds and people you know talk about well who are these odds makers and and but mm-hmm. um, the 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 betting odds follow the money um, it's yeah. it's what people are willing to place their hard earned dollars on um, so those uh, you, you kind of take seriously and and interestingly and we're looking at uh, bet MGM to uh, come up with these odds. Um, they were done. Uh, the opening odds were before free agency opening uh, yeah. opened, uh, and then after uh, some of the moves, the free agency moves were done. Then there was current odds. Um, so on top, uh, you have Colorado Avalanche as the favorites um, to to win the, the Stanley Cup next year. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, um, uh, if they were to to win their third Stanley Cup, there's a uh, current odds on that are seven to one, mm-hmm. um, but remember, here's the folks that are in the Atlantic Division. You have Tampa currently at seven to one. You have Boston twelve to one. You have Toronto at fourteen to one, and you have Florida at twenty to one. So, what are the odds for the the Montreal Canadiens? Well, they opened when they opened before free agency. Um, the Canadians were at uh, eighteen to one. Uh, an 18 to one chance of uh, going back uh, to the Stanley Cup final and this time winning it. After 
the free agency moves after the additions of Hoffman and Savard and Perot and Weidman and, and so on, uh, the Canadians' uh, chances weakened. The odds yeah. worsened. Those odds dropped from 18 to 1 to 25 to 1. Um, so that's saying that the betters uh, don't necessarily have confidence in the moves that Mark Bergevin has made so far. And, and maybe they too are, are expecting uh, that, that he's not done. Um, the rest of the division, the rest of the Atlantic, uh, you have Ottawa at 100 to 1 and both mm-hmm. Buffalo and Detroit at 200 to 1. And I, I think when you look at it, part of that is before you can make and win the, the Stanley Cup final, you have to make the playoffs. And are the Montreal Canadiens going to be good enough to do that over the course of of a full season and that's something that I think that you probably have some reservations about uh, especially the way that things have gone you're not going to have Shea Weber as we've talked about already the free agency moves have not inspired a lot of confidence as you talked about there with the betting odds they have worsened so so are the Canadians a team that are that are that's going to be capable of making the NHL playoffs this season so what's your what's your gut feeling? Just uh, my gut feeling. If you had to make the, the call today, based on the roster that the, that we have right now, do you have a do you have a gut feeling on that? I I would have to say no. It's a, it's a no from me. <laughs> I I agree with you a hundred percent. It's just on paper, given what we know, um, given the the injuries, uh, given the folks that are out of the lineup, given the additions that have been made. There's some nice. Nice additions, um, mm-hmm. but are have they improved, or have are they um, uh, you know are they just filling holes uh, from from the folks that won't be back? I I on paper I don't think the Canadians are a playoff team right now. Uh, I agree with you a hundred percent, and that's why I'm you know I'm of the camp, and I said so last week that I still think that uh, Mark Bergevin has some work to do. Uh, the other side of that is I'm sure that that's a role that the Montreal Canadiens familiar, familiarize themselves with during well, the course true. of the playoff run, perhaps one that they like to be in that sort of afterthought a little bit. But yeah, it's a lot is going to have to go well and a lot is, is going to have to work out in a division that's going to be tougher as we've talked about. And yeah, it, it's not going to be an easy season for the Montreal Canadiens, but it appears that they like the challenge and who knows if Mark Bergevin is actually finished uh, in this offseason. So, uh, Rick, with that said, uh, we will take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And when we come back, we're going to get to some uh, fan uh, from text and emails from from listeners and more. So stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites, Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. 
Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 149 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website over at CanadiansConnection.com. And so, Rick, off the top of the show, we talked about the uh, ha- the All Habs headline posts that are being posted every day over at AllHabs.net. You got Chris's notepad on Monday, and then Tuesday through Friday, you yourself craft a headlines article and what other content do we have coming over uh, coming out over at allhabs.net and the allhabs youtube account and and the ahl.report what what do we have to share well as you said um headlines uh tuesday through friday uh chris g's notepad on monday at allhabs.net in addition on our youtube channel uh, youtube.com slash allhabs uh, there's the Habs Fan Forum video put together by Ben Danku. Uh, his most recent one is about fantasy hockey and uh, mm-hmm. his thoughts on that. And it should be a reminder to you that uh, uh, we have all Habs fantasy sports and we're currently filling our leagues. We say sports uh, because there's all Habs fantasy football, uh, which is uh, we're filling some spots there. I believe we have four uh, fantasy football leagues uh, and commissioned by uh, our, our commissioner is is uh, is Brian Clark and um, and then uh, we'll be drafting in all Habs uh, fantasy hockey um, we might have a couple of spots open in it's it's a they are competitive leagues we mm-hmm. we kind of expect managers to be active and uh, we've had uh, we've had managers with us for uh, 10 years uh, it's a, it's a fun league. Uh, you're with people who, uh, who like to have fun and, and, uh, and like to be active in fantasy sports. Um, and, uh, if you want to be involved, uh, we'll see if we have a spot for you. And, and if not, we'll put you on a waiting list, uh, to, to get you into our leagues. Uh, just reach out to us, uh, all Habs, uh, all Habs, all one word on Twitter um, message us uh, five at uh, five eight five three rocket. Send us a text or our uh, email at uh, is info at allhabs dot net, and uh, and that's that's. Uh, but but do go to the the YouTube page and check out our 
uh, videos there. They're about seven, eight minutes long. Won't take you long. And, and uh, uh, Ben Danku, from a fan perspective, uh, talks about uh, current issues uh, that are going on. Um, and we don't want to forget about our sister podcast, The Press Zone. This past week, my goodness, what a great yeah. interview um, with the parents of uh, Canadians prospect, uh, the goaltender that they took in the seventh round of the recent uh, NHL entry draft, Joe Verbetic. The parents were on uh, and, and just did a beautiful job describing what it's like uh, for parents uh, to go through uh, the draft and uh, gave us some, some uh, insight into uh, mm-hmm. the Canadians' brand new prospect taken at uh, with pick 214, uh, Joe Verbetic, a member of the North Bay Battalion. And we talked about the uh, very interesting and fascinating insight that we got from the Angela Price blog post. Uh, very fascinating and uh, interesting insight here from parents of a draftee. So you're definitely going to want to check out that interview on the Press Zone podcast. Uh, so Rick, uh, in addition to that, I believe we do have a uh, text or an email from a, a loyal listener, Dino. Our, uh, yes, a very loyal listener, and we're always happy to hear from Dino. He, he sends, uh, I think he reaches out to, to all of us uh, on the team, uh, sends, uh, sends emails, uh, sends, uh, he adds his commentary on our uh, allhabs.net posts. Uh, but there's one that he sent me, um, and uh, it just, uh, it kind of struck uh, me. And, and he was reading uh, one of the notepad articles um, um, uh, sorry, the headlines articles this week um, that uh, that was talking about Mike Hoffman and Mike Hoffman, um, as did David Savard, as did Matthew Perot, visited the Bell Center, um, and uh, Mike Hoffman visited the Bell Center for the first time as a Montreal Canadian. Uh, saw him trying on his uh, his new number sixty eight jersey. And uh, and stepped in to the Canadians' locker room, and there was a picture uh, on the on the feature photo on that uh, headlines post that was uh, Mike Hoffman uh, standing behind the Canadians' logo that's on the floor in the dressing room, surrounded mm-hmm. by all of the legends on the wall, um, and that that hit a chord with with Dino. And he says, "Salute, Rick, uh, admiring the photo shot." of Mike Hoffman uh, in our dressing room, looking around at all the players up on the wall. There's Butch Bouchard, Elmer Locke, uh, Jean Beliveau, Doug Harvey, Boom Boom, Dickie Moore, Jacques Plant, Pocket Rocket, uh, Gump Worsley. I got to thinking, uh, those teams that they were on, uh, between 55 and 60, wow. Uh, what about the teams from 76 to 79? Even our squad in the 60s, arguably some of the best teams ever assembled. Yes, there's the Islanders, there's, there was uh, the Gretzky era in Edmonton, Lemieux in Pittsburgh, Iserman in Detroit, but uh, these teams, our Canadian teams, are just incredible. Uh, and uh, just a reminder that, uh, that talking about those, the, the dynasty teams, uh, that I did a podcast with uh, yeah. former Canadians forward, uh, Terry Ryan and uh, he and I uh, talked about the 71 Canadians Cup winners and the 76 uh, Cup winners and that uh, those that was part of the DraftKings uh, Dynasty by Decade series. We were we were given the 70s. The Canadians Canadians won six Stanley Cups in that decade, and you can find those podcasts at uh, thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. 
Yeah, and, and you and Terry did a phenomenal job uh, going down that road, and there was a lot to talk about, and you guys did a, a great job with that. Fellow yeah, Newfoundlander. Fellow Newfoundlander, yeah, and some it just goes to show the great history that there is, and Dino touching on it there, uh, just some phenomenal teams in the Canadians' history. Um, so, so Rick, moving on, there's some 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 golf events that are going to be happening this week. You uh, were coming up. Uh, you have the Jake Allen Classic, and 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 one that that hits home uh, for us as well. Interestingly enough, both of these events take place on the same day, um, mm-hmm. uh, Thursday, uh, yeah. August twelfth. And one of them in New Brunswick, uh, that's the Jake Allen Classic, and uh, that event is sold out, but uh, it's, a, it's a fundraiser uh, for the, uh, the hospital in New Brunswick, I believe it's the Chalmers Hospital, um, and uh, the, the prizes and, and uh, uh, the, what, what they put together for this event, this fundraiser is, is quite remarkable. I should say that, that Jake Allen was also helpful to us as we helped uh, to put together the, uh, the Shannon Cody Memorial Golf Classic. Mm-hmm. That happening this Thursday, August 12th. Um, Sh- who's Shannon Cody? Shaq Cody was known among the, among the hockey world. Uh, he was a, a, a close, close friend to me. Um, unexpectedly, he passed away on uh, March 24th. And um, he, he was uh, an equipment manager for uh, several teams. Uh, he was uh, equipment manager for the uh, St. John's Fog Devils when they were in the queue, uh, yeah. the St. John's Maple Leafs, then the St. John's Ice Caps, both the Winnipeg version and the Montreal Canadiens version. And that's where I got to know him. And just a, a gentle soul, a beautiful person taken far too early. And uh, at uh, Glen Denning Golf Tournament in St. John's this week, mm-hmm. there will be the, the Shannon Cody Memorial Classic a fundraiser that will help with uh, the family, uh, family expenses, and and also set up a scholarship in Shannon's name to assist children in in sport in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador. And uh, lots of of uh, players uh, that that went through St. John's uh, were very gracious when we reached out to them uh, to um, to offer uh, gear that can be raffled off. Uh, Jake Allen being one of them, um, and uh, and also uh, just uh, they're, we're putting together a uh, a tribute um, that will be played of the voices of uh, all of all of uh, the players that uh, that that knew Shannon and and uh, and respected Shannon. So those two uh, events keep them in your in in your mind and, and prayers this mm-hmm. week. Um, uh, particularly for uh, Jake Allen's um, uh, tournament, uh, fundraising tournament, and the uh, uh, Memorial Classic for Shannon Cody. Absolutely, yes. And, and August 12th, the date of those two events. Um, so, Rick, uh, with all of that said, we will say uh, goodbye for now, and we'll say thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.